Hello and welcome to the Creative Business Podcast, the podcast that aims to help you build a better, more successful creative business. And here we are for our second week on video as well as on audio. How you doing, Marcus? Good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Struggling through uh, customer support at the moment, but apart from that, not too bad. Still got the hand plastered up. Uh, Went to the hospital today for my first follow-up appointment and got the day wrong. So <laughs> I don't have to go until next week. So I, I, I'd, managed, I'd managed to convince a friend to very kindly come and pick me up as I can't drive at uh, eight o'clock in the morning and got there and they said, no, it's next week. So <laughs> Did, so did you at least buy your friend a cup of coffee? Yeah, or we, went, I, we had breakfast, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But uh, next week you'll give us an update on the hand, it Next week like. I'll give you an update on the hand. So how, how has your week been anyway? Been, uh, it's been great. Like the weather here, it stopped snowing, um, and so the sun is shining. Um, I just am looking forward to summer. We've got three workshops booked in the U.S., uh, so we're really excited about that. And uh, and then we're doing a week in Hawaii, watching my granddaughter. So ah, you know, life is good. A week in Hawaii—that sounds good by anybody's standards, right? I know, and I get to watch my granddaughter while my 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 son and his wife play in Hawaii. I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, just give me the little baby, and then we'll do little grandpa things, and uh, it'll be fun. Cool, cool. So um, last week we were discussing sort of some of the common pitfalls or areas where folks tend to struggle with proposals, and we kind of left it halfway through last week because you know there's just so much to talk about, and so we're gonna we're gonna pick it up again, right from where from where we left yeah. off last week. And um, I don't know if there was any particular place you wanted to start. Uh, you know, I really love, I really like the idea of um, like let's hit on 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 the balance between design and the the content. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's revisit that for a second because you're a designer. I am not. I was actually going to ask you your opinion about just how much design needs to go into a proposal. I obviously last week told my story about our art designer doing a custom photo shoot of motorcycles and he bought all this equipment. Like he, it was a big investment. Didn't land us the deal. Didn't even get us to like a, hey, oh, nice proposal. We got yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. But, but I know it can't probably be like a handwritten piece of paper. So somewhere between a handwritten note and, you know, a video package, right, that took, a, you know, seven weeks to produce lies a balance that's effective. What is a designer, what have you found to be effective about proposal design? There is a healthy balance because, like you said, it can't just be a piece of paper or a Word document. But I think almost in some cases it could be, you know. I think it depends very much on the type of business you're working with. Don't get me wrong, you would still need to have your brand, your branding, you know, that would still need to be strong, it would still need to be well formatted, laid out, etc. But I think, and this is my personal feeling, is that, you know, back in the day I did used to use InDesign to, to, write, and, uh, to write and manage my proposals. Well, there is no management in InDesign. It's, you know, it's find and, re- you know, replace, everything's manual and looking for files. But I used that because it did give me complete control over the, the layout and the design, you know, which meant I could spend way uh, more time than I probably should have, you know, on every single proposal. And that's just before I even get to writing it. So I think, yeah, there, there is a happy medium. And as you said in your, your story last week, you know, you guys actually experienced the other end of things where you were producing sort of high-end catalog style photo right. shoots, glossy, could almost be an Ikea catalog type proposal. It was beautiful. A beautiful thing. It was a beautiful, it was a thing of beauty. But, um, and, you know, the results weren't there. 
So I think it's difficult because, you know, I've spoken to lots of designers over the years and they say, you know, we need to have complete control over the way our proposals are designed and the way they're, the way they're laid out. And in Nusi, you know, sometimes that's not always enough control as, as uh, certain agencies or designers would like. But my thinking is, and it keeps harking back to the same thing every time, the relationship that you have built, I hope that you have started to build with a client... <coughs> counts for everything it counts for 95 or 99 percent of the entire process so once you got to that proposal stage it's almost just like a confirmation of everything you've already discussed up to that point with your client in those in those interviews so yes your proposal design your proposal layout should be strong that simply means it should be well organized you should have your he- your headings clearly labeled you should be able to distinguish from one section to another if you need to be able to in- if you need to include images that's great include images i wouldn't encourage anyone to 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 go out and out and to create the catalog because if you're doing that for me and forgive me marcus for saying this after your your story that there hasn't been enough research done initially you are selling something because there isn't enough substance to what is actually going into the proposal content is king you know in any market content is king if the content is king and you've understood what the client needs then the design of the proposal can be minimal yeah that's so true and i think it can be a word document um you know, it's funny, as you were talking, uh, it reminded me like a proposal. What's the, the other context that I've used a proposal in is only one time in my life, but it was a very important proposal to me, and it actually involved this, and that's my wedding band. <laughs> that was a proposal. I was a poor guy, so I did not do the photo shoot. It was more like um, if it would be lucky if it would a typed Word document equivalent, my proposal to my wife 28 years ago. Um, but I, I, it's ridiculous to imagine I would have shown up on the first date and had a proposal ready that was skywriting and balloons and like, you know, a, a big, uh, like a, a carriage ride through the park. That would be ridiculous because she'd say, well, you've gone to a lot of work here, but we don't even know each other. And that's really repelling. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder, like if we, like the right proposal is for the right person at the right time. So it definitely needs to be more about them. For my wife, she was simple. The time was right. I got down on one knee in the rain. It was a memory we'll never forget. But I didn't have any money. I just needed to say the right words at the right time. And I knew the words that she needed to hear to feel like this was a proposal she could accept. And I think it's not that much different with your clients. You're right. It's don't rush into it. Maybe I guess that's kind of where I'm going. If you don't have the relationship, like you said, it that's what it comes back to. So if you talk with a client, you meet somebody at a party, and the first thing you do is say, well, we've talked for five minutes. I'll get you a proposal. That's probably not the, <laughs> that's probably not and that the happened, right And move. that happens all the time. That does. Like, um, you know, no problem. I'll get a proposal out to you by the end of the day. How, how is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and how do you like, I, I remember I did this, made this mistake at like networking functions. Oh, I need a new website. Oh, what do you want it to do? I want it to sell stuff. I'll get you a proposal for that. Sure. You know? Yeah. And it's so ridiculous. So what do people do instead? Well, you invest in the relationship, right? At least that's what I finally learned was mm-hmm. have a second date, third date, have, ha- get to know the person and get to know their business and what they really need. And then I think that, um, you're right, it has to be on brand. I think it has to represent you as a professional. 
but it sure does not need to be as ridiculous as we made ours. Mm -hmm. Do you think perhaps, and you know, there could possibly be exceptions to this. For example, the, the company that you sent off the brochure style, catalog yeah. style proposal to, was that a big, big company? It, it wasn't. It was a smaller company. They were making electric motorcycles. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a kind of a startup. Um, maybe they were five years in and they had definitely some amount of national like presence in terms of like, but it was a small company based locally. Mm -hmm. So it was okay. small. Why do you ask? I just wonder if in some instances it's the the accepted format, you know, if it's a, a huge fortune 500, you know, uh, that is working in a particular field, maybe, you know, uh, cars or something, I don't know. Maybe it's almost like the expected thing for the RFP or proposal to come in, in this hugely over formatted version. I don't know. I mean, I don't have experience in that area. So, I mean, whenever I talk about proposals, you know, I can only speak from my own experience and from that that we've seen from customers, which tends to be from, uh, the the freelance consultant up to right mid to large size agencies, you know, where hopefully there is always that sort of one-on-one -on -one connection at some level or another. I, you know, it's funny. I've worked with large agencies that'll do um, projects above a million, significantly above a million. And, and they certainly seem to have, like, I'm sure they had a designer sit down and design it. Probably not a custom photo shoot, but... So they have kind of a, a, a nicer template that, that I, than I had, but oftentimes it was minimalistic and clean and they would use more pages, but more punchy copy, right? Mm -hmm. To sort of, they, they really seem to spend the time on copy more than, more than design. Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think if you're listening and you're doing, uh, and your proposals are, are, if they're not winning and you're spending a lot of time on them, maybe this is just an area you can experiment with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I worked in agencies in the past where they would actually, they would do the same thing as your catalogue uh, style proposal. They would go out on a limb, they would compete against other agencies and put together a huge presentation, you know, that would then be delivered, you know, as a proposal in one format or another. And it was a huge investment of time and money and they were always competing directly with other, other businesses doing exactly the same thing. Uh, I, it's a long time since I've been a part of that world, thankfully. But um, it seems like a lot of work for uh, you know, not necessarily the greatest odds. Now, now I have I do have a friend who works at a big agency, and he goes into big companies and does exactly like you're saying. Except they compete; they will bring in four people and do a pitch day for say a national chain of restaurants and there'll be there'll be three companies each company will have three or four people and they will have slides and materials and it's a like this is a big affair this mm. took weeks but i'm talking and you are talking about a proposal the thing that gets sent that usually has let's like let's go back to it it usually needs to talk about what problem we're trying to solve what options they have to solve it what price ranges and time frames we see for those options. Um, and then maybe some way to get feedback or maybe they just sign it and go, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's some other stuff, but to me, those are the bones of a proposal. So, so another thing then that would come into this is the the length. Some people, again, this is, this is an area where they can sometimes get a little concerned, you know, how long should my proposal be? I have always been of the the school that, you know, the shorter and more concise, the better, you know, why make it longer than it needs to be? Some people, I think, perhaps out of fear, uh, think they need to fill it with 
fluff, you know, which yeah. could could be, you know, all the, the great work we've done. Our here's, bios. Here's the team. Here's the entire yeah. team. The, you know, head of tech, the head of development, you're the head designer. You know, again, if that relationship is there, they don't care. They know all this already. They know you. They've been speaking to you. You know, we've seen at Nusi that over 80% of proposals accepted are between five and eight sections long, five and eight pages, old school okay. style. So wow. you would you would never include more than necessarily if you, you wanted to increase your chances of, of, of closing that deal. Eight sections, eight pages. And me personally, I would never include I'd never wrote more than five ever. I agree shorter is better. In fact, these days I only do one page proposals and I really keep it to one page. Ooh, nice. Um sometimes I'll do an addendum, but I will specifically call it out as like the requirements addendum. Um but but I, the other thing I had found is very large companies, when you're doing a half a million dollar piece of work, nobody's really look, making the decision, like you said, on the design. Um, it almost becomes just the, the, the easier it is to put into a contract. So mm-hmm. like if it's just a Word document, sometimes that's almost a little bit beneficial because definitely the lawyers are going to be involved, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Actually, yeah. now, now oh, I think... Oh, but but that's 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 uh, that's interesting though. One page proposal means you have you have to have really nailed the entire process that goes before to be confident yep. enough to just say this is everything we spoke about. This is pretty much everything we agreed to, and you know here it is. Let's and go. It's really simple. It's like this is the goal. This is the the outcome you want to achieve. This is the high level constraints. These are a few assumptions. No, I'm forgetting. But yeah, the goal, <laughs> the constraints, the assumptions, like maybe maybe one, maybe two price options um, with timeframes. Mm-hmm. And then like, OK, that's it. Like this. And then the other thing, though, is I never send them cold. I always get on a video call and then I send it to the person while we're on the call and I talk through it with them. I will never let someone get a proposal anymore cold it is always a conversation and i don't even though they'll say well send it to me in advance and i'll review it i say it's one page we're going to review it together there's no need for that sending in advance stuff because i want to make sure that my i've been clear yeah that's an interesting approach funnily enough more and more recently we've had a lot of requests for a live chat widget in in the proposal and i guess it's it's almost like it's almost like a similar thing isn't it um yeah you know just to be able to be on hand when your client is reading through the proposal. I know that you personally have always walked your customers through the proposal, you know, when it's been delivered, get on the phone and just running through. And to be honest, that's not something I ever did, but obviously people are smarter now than I was back in the day because they're really jumping on this sort of being available at the time when the proposal is being viewed, which is, it makes sense, right? I think that, the, well, I didn't always do it. I used to just send and pray, right? And then never hear back. <laughs> We can talk about rejection and, and all that stuff, but what I found was if somebody's right in front of me, when they look at the number, their face changes, or they, you know, when they yeah. see it, they immediately and and I can I can sort of say, well, let's start at the top, or take a moment and read it, and then I'll say, do you have any? What's your reaction to this? And I'll just kind of open it up like that. Excuse me, because I don't I don't want to just wonder if they understood it. I want them to know they can ask me a question right then. And actually, that's part of the relationship I want to build is the kind where they can just ask me a question. I was just thinking about what I said about 80% of proposals having between five and eight sections. It was actually three to five. So we get even closer. shorter. So we get even closer to your version, which is which is good to know. I was thinking, because I, after I said that, I was like, is that right? Is that right? Is that right? 
try and give out the correct information. Don't feel the need to put everything in there to prove that the proposal is uh, that you're worth it. Uh, basically, prove that uh, you're worth it in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, we touched on this last week as well, and I just wanted to bring something up because I, I listened back to last week's episode and, and felt I kind of glossed over something. The whole offering pricing packages to to your customers, giving giving them options, which is is for me is the way forward, and it's the way that you know you're almost guaranteed to sort of get that sale get that sale done you know and signed but one thing i didn't mention really was this whole i mentioned that sending out an old quote a traditional style quote is not a good thing to do because you're just literally listing out your services with an associated cost and that's it but the other reason behind not doing that is you are not giving any choice to your client if it if it doesn't happen to fit within their budget or there happens to be something in there that they don't think is required, then it becomes an either-or situation. You can either work with me for this or you choose to go elsewhere. The client will always say, well, oh, well, this doesn't suit me then. You know, this 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 total cost, I, I can't work with it. It's either above or even, in fact, you're too cheap or whatever because I never got your budget. You know, there's no value associated to that because it's just work with me for this or don't work with me. And I feel I, I kind of... I completely glossed over that last week which i think is an important thing you know that's the reason we give people options it's so that they feel there is more than one path going forward so um yeah you mentioned this last week too the idea of the chinese menu hmm. remind me are you now this is if you're not familiar with it uh if you're listening i think this is where we break out for example if you're doing a website chinese menu might have seo work as one line it might have copyright like doesn't it sort of break out it's and where allow you break people? down absolutely every single part of the project into a line item and give in the worst case scenario sorry in my opinion uh the number of hours associated to that task uh, the hourly cost okay. and then a total on the same line and just doing that one after another after another after another after another and then with the final total at the bottom See, the problem I have with that is that you're just not selling any value whatsoever. All you're doing is selling your technical capabilities, and that's it. They can't see the value. The great thing about a pricing package or offering packages is that you forget all the line items completely. They they disappear. You say, look, everything that we discussed, everything that you need to get this project going and to be successful is going to be included. And I'm going to just write it up in a paragraph, two paragraphs. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to achieve talking obviously about their goals talking obviously about the objectives and how we're going to get there and then this is it's you know to do this to your business it's going to cost you x instead of just this continual you know endless list of you know menu items yeah i guess that would be like if and i we talked about how i just finished well i finished building a house last year i guess if the contractor had said like hammering is one item and, <laughs> exactly you know <laughs> using the drill is another oh, do you want us to use the drill like how how ridiculous yeah 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 i we, we've done a few of those kind back in the day. And, and uh, you know, my biggest – I realized it was a really bad idea when a customer who wanted more local traffic shows an, a menu, uh, options from the menu, that would absolutely guarantee that they had a really bad website at the end because they were making the choices. They're like, well, we don't want copywriting, but we want a lot of great design yeah. and uh, we want SEO but no copywriting. And I was like, well, I, you know – and then I started to realize – if I was going to deliver anything I was proud of, they couldn't just pick and choose from the menu. Mm. I had to use my brain to help them figure out what was needed. Yeah, totally. An- another area that we didn't mention last week, 
and it's been coming up more and more as well, is do we need to create a sense of urgency when it comes to proposals? You know, in Nusi you can use an expiry date. Some people like to put, I don't know how, a timer. Like, you know, as if you were selling a, a bestseller and it was on offer. Oh, like it was good. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I don't know. That To me, that just sounds cheesy. I don't know. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Did, was this something that you ever did back in the, the agency or? Yeah, I mean, we did it some. Well, first, we never did anything. So we would send it out and not hear anything. And then usually we didn't get it. But some like I think one time, like two months later, somebody came back and said, OK, I'm ready to start. And we were like, oh, we had forgotten we had even sent it. But but most of the then we started putting something in there that just said this expires in 10 days. Mm. I think I probably did it to create some urgency. But there was actually a practical reason I had done it as well. Uh, for us, in order to bid the work, I had gone out and found sometimes had found contractors, negotiated pricing. Um, I had essentially kind of figured out what my pricing was going to be at this point of time with the team that I had to deliver it. Mm -hmm. And if they were going to delay it by three months, that was really going to throw the practical, my pricing out the window. I was going to find different people. They were going to charge me different amounts. And so what I started doing was saying like, well, you know, the, the quote expires after a certain amount of time simply because my prices might change, especially if you're using contractors yeah. and and one is $50 an hour and one is $100 an hour. If you told the $50 an hour person, hey, I've got something for you. We should know in two weeks. Would you save me a spot? And they agree to it. Well, if you lose that spot, you might have to go to the $100 an hour person. Yeah. And so that might actually affect the price. Okay. Yeah. I've... The whole expiry date thing I'd never really used in the past, probably because it was, again, it was always more of a personal relationship, so they were expecting the proposal, etc. One thing I did do, uh, and I didn't always do this, but to to help grease the wheels, was to offer a small discount for a 100% upfront payment. So okay. ordinarily I would work in usually a 50% upfront and then maybe 25, 25, just depending on how long, completely depending how long the project was going to be. You know, for me working as a freelancer, projects were always going to be a lot smaller than, you know, an agency where things might go on for months and months. But in those cases, I would offer the, <clears throat> excuse me, 100% payment upfront and give like 5% off, I think. You know, and when you're talking about projects that are up in the tens of thousands of dollars, you know, it can be a significant reduction. And, and, and it, people did actually take me up on that, you know, and it was... You know, it's great for you because you get the money in the bank there and then before you start, right. you know, and the client's happy because, you know, if they're going to pay that money anyway and they have confidence in you, you know, if you've created that confidence, then it's good for them as well because obviously they, they get a substantial discount. Yeah. You know, I do know somebody that when, and this is not, um, this is actually more of a, a coaching product where they will say to people who they talk to, um, they have a call, a sales call. They talk about the person's needs and the project. And then they say, you know, okay, it's going to be $6,000. But they will say, I am going to offer you a, like a, uh, I think they call it a 24-hour decisive discount. And you you can save 20% if you decide to do this in the for, in the next 24 hours. Mm -hmm. But like the clock is ticking. Yeah. And I thought that was, I like the idea of a decisive discount, Um I don't know how I, this person tells me that they get a lot of business that way. It might be also though, because people who come on the call are already ready to go. Um, yeah. so I, I don't have any science around that. Okay. Okay. 
Well, what about? But in general, I think just last thought here, maybe I think thirty day expiration is is fine. Um, but you know, if people are constantly, why not just ask people and say, when are you hoping to make a decision about this? One question I remember I asked one time was, uh, we usually put an expiration date on this. What would you like your expiration date to be? Mm. You're actually getting them to think about like, how much time do I want? And then if they say, well, you know, we're going to need 30 days. Oh, great. I put that right in there. That's actually from them. It's not from you. And of course, as well as the the sense of urgency, which I'm... I'm not convinced that it adds a sense of urgency, but what it does do is allow you as well to plan, as you were saying, you know, it allows you to plan your workload and know that, okay, they have an answer within 10 days, right, I know that, you know, I need to make a space for the next project which could come in, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, if you don't know what's going on, it's going to be pretty difficult when they come back in, you know, 15 days and say, oh, we're ready to go now. And you have to turn around and say, well, I'm very sorry, but you're going to have to wait a month now because... Yeah, I guess, you know, if you wouldn't do it in a marriage proposal, I don't think you'd say like, well, we need we need to know in 10 days on this. Then you should reconsider doing it <laughs> in a work proposal. Yeah. All right, then. So what about, and this is something that, funnily enough, a lot of people just don't even think about for, for one reason or another is about the sort of the next steps. I always included at the end a next steps, like what comes next? I would spell it out literally like you know what do you have to do now as my potential client to move forward you know what do i need from you what do you need from me to get things moving you know and i would i would say you know if it was a case of putting down a discount i would say first of all i would say you know to get the ball rolling click the accept button up above you know i'm going to send you an email where we can get you know i'll give you whatever a credit card transfer or whatever that payment might be i'll contact you again by phone you know just let them know exactly what the process is going to be so it's not just a case of right okay i've accepted the proposal and sort of that now what happens you know the easier you can make it for 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 someone to accept and to feel happy with that then the better position you're in i think um yeah this is an area i think that uh i don't know if i have a lot of good advice i mean I'm trying to think about this because as soon as, especially with like a new C as a you know, proposal software, there is an accept button. Mm. So setting clear expectations about what happens after they click expect, uh, accept, right? I mean, should they, and I'm not, I don't remember how you guys have it set up, but I like how you say you have to, it is important to let people know, like once you do that, here's the next thing that mm. will happen. Um, otherwise it can be a bit surprising, right? Yeah, well, if, if, for example, you just click the accept button and it's signed, it's kind of like, well, now what? You know, uh, are they going to write to me? Are they going to ring me? Are they going to, you know, when's this going to begin? So I just think the clearer you can be at this stage, you know, the easier you make it for them and the more comfortable they are in just actually accepting in the first place. Um, I I agree. I know, right, like I send my proposals... uh, through, uh, well, usually I'll send them through email or again, uh, right when we're on the call and we'll talk about it. And so it's very easy to talk about next steps. Mm -hmm. But um, when I send a contract, for example, I will lay out like, okay, I'm going to send you the contract with SOW. You're going to sign it. That's step one. And the email will have like five steps. Then I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to pay X amount. Then I'm going to set up our initial call. Then we're going to dive in and do X, Y, and Z. So it's it. I do try and set that idea that you know, th- it's not like you're going to accept it and then not know what happens next. Well, after all that, <clears throat> I mean, I've got to ask you, why aren't you using Nusi? <laughs> you know that thought went through my mind right there. Uh, I probably. <laughs> da, da, da. 
Da, da, da. I mean, oh, we're gonna get rid. People are gonna people are gonna think I'm a tight ass and I haven't offered you an account. <laughs> no, you have, and I probably even have an account. Oh, okay. Can we just skip by? Let's this skip by this. Let's skip by this. I think I only do two proposals a year anymore, and they're honestly only to the same company. Where literally, I send an email, and I've worked with these people for 15 years. So I, they will call me up and say. We need X, Y, and Z, and I'll say, okay, like here you go, and I'll send you an email with a number, and then they'll just email me back and say yes. So that's the kind of proposal. I let you, off. Like. I let you off. Right. So <laughs> next steps. Next told steps. Them very what to important. Do. You've told them what to do. Hit accept. Good to go. And what do they do? They hit reject, uh, or oh. they politely tell you on the phone, you know, or live chat, or however they do it. Uh, not going to not going to go for this. Or they just say, well, think about it, and then it's silence. Yeah. So what, so what do we do? What happens here? What's your, what's your experience? What's, apart from feeling like crap. Oh, so crappy. So terrible. Well, you know, right? You, it, I think that either you're going to get it right. Okay. Like my gut always tells me as soon as I, the reason I feel like crap is my gut always tells me, oh, you lost it. You, you made it mad or it was too much or whatever. Um, so if they say, well, we're going to think about it. Right. Which that's I get that more than I get just rejection is, well, let us think about it. I will just ask what well, great. I, I think you should. It's a big decision like buying a car or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, when should I follow up with you? And again, I'm asking for permission to come back to them in a couple of, you know, uh, whether it's a couple of days or a week. But I'm trying to get a sense of how long they're hoping to evaluate it um, sometime. But but if you don't hear anything. Like, does this, this must happen on Newsy. People view it and they don't hit accept or reject, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's... Um, what do you do? There's obviously, there's obviously a period of time that's there for follow-up. Because it, it's different, obviously, if you're presenting it digitally than, than via the phone, because you have that immediate contact. And obviously, you can do the same thing as well, regardless of how you present it, whether it's digitally or, or you know, email or even by uh, snail mail, you know? But that sort of not knowing, yeah, it, it's, it's the worst. It's especially when you've had the email saying, hey, such and such has opened your proposal. And like, great, okay, well, why haven't they clicked on accept? I'm still here waiting. I think right. obviously it's on you to follow up at some point, you know, and you can you can sort that out as well within Newsy, you know, to, to remind yourself to follow up on the proposal after X number of days. But like you said, and I love the way you do this with almost with every customer uh, relation, uh, sort of interaction, it's, Putting the onus on them, or rather help, it, or rather letting them make the decision, so right. they feel like again that they're in control, and it's just not Marcus sitting. Well, he's telling me when to get into con, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I really <laughs> like that. I really I really do like that. But I think outside of following up, whether that's by phone, email, whatever, you know, your hands are tied to a certain degree, aren't you? If it just becomes radio silence, then after following up a few times, then there's not an awful lot you can do, is there? I mean, you can't go pounding well, down the door. That's right. Now, the only option I do know is the magic email, and that has worked for me phenomenally. Uh, are you familiar with the magic email? I have heard about this. Sorry. Yeah. Spill the beans. I, well, have you used it? I think I used, I think I used it once, and I don't know if the result was favorable. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you Google for the magic email, basically you send – let's pretend a, it's almost like the nuclear option, right? A certain <laughs> You've put out the proposal. Maybe you've maybe even a cup, made a couple of friendly – You know, oh, I saw you opened it uh, on Newsy, and uh, I'd love to talk it through. Did you have any questions? 
So if a period of weeks go by and before you give up, um, you can use the magic email and you know people say it gets like an 80% response rate and the email is just this one line. And I used to have it memorized. Let's see if I can remember it. If you Google it, you'll find it. But I think the one line is, because I have not heard back from you, I must assume your priorities have changed. Yeah. That's it. You don't put a greeting. You don't put anything else. It's one sentence. Boom. That's it. And when somebody receives that, they sort of have to ask themselves, well, first, it looks like you're really retracting. You're going to take away their ability to get what they wanted. And second, oh, maybe my... Maybe my priorities have changed. And I've certainly had people come back to me and say, yeah, we we lost our budget for that. But I've also had a lot of people say, no, I've just been super busy. Let's schedule a time to talk. Yeah, so, I, I, was, I was just checking this now on uh, Google, and there is actually now uh, Kurt Elster. For, uh, go and check out right. Kurt Elster if you know him. The domain is actually uh, themagicemail.com. So you won't have any problems finding that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And Kurt came up with this as a way to re-engage people and sort of because at the end of the day, what you want is to get the conversation flowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've asked my clients, what would you have, uh, you know, what would you like to see changed in this proposal? That's hard to do because you always fear they're going to say price. Mm-hmm. But frankly, they don't usually say price to me. They'll say well, I really think we might need this other thing and I wasn't sure if you offered it. Or we didn't need this part, I didn't feel. Do we have to, like, they had some changes they might like to have, but they weren't sure how to approach you about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just said nothing. I, yeah, and I think, especially if you do get the dreaded uh, reject, you know, they've, they've rejected the proposal, it can, be, it can be invaluable to send out that email and you might think that nobody's going to respond, but just asking, you know, where where they felt I you know I, I, I fell short you know so the, the more feedback you can get on those areas you know well I felt uncomfortable because you didn't seem to be offering this service and this is what I kind of really needed even though yes it feels like crap to 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 get rejected in any way shape or form you know asking for that feedback and getting that feedback is only going to help you for the next proposal you know and it is a learning process you know and you will get better with each one regardless of what happens, you know. So it's invaluable, A, to send out the uh, the magic email if you haven't heard back. And if it does finally result in being rejected, then definitely have the courage to reach out and say, you know, I'd love to... I'd love to know how, uh, you know, how I didn't live up to your expectations so I can improve for the next proposal. And you, I think you'd probably be surprised on, on the, the number of people that will get back to you on that, even if they what took you weeks. The, yeah. What about this idea? And I, I don't think I've done this, but it dawns on me that I'm going to try it. What if I? What if you reached out and you said, "Thanks for your feedback. You know, I got that you reject. I, I got the notification that you rejected the proposal. Um, I'd love to hear how we can make version two a better fit for you." Mm-hmm. And that sort of automatically implies we're not at the end of the road. Like, but th- there is a future. The fir- the future is going to be version two. So let's talk about. How do we need to get version two of the proposal changed in order to fit with you? And that is should spark a conversation. It, you don't. I, th- I don't think you always have to just go back and say, "Well, you rejected version one, and so therefore you must hate me, and I'll put my tail between my legs and be Mr. Marcus Eeyore and be sad." Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe you, maybe you can sort of just take the arrogant, which I think is actually more confident approach of. 
great, the first one didn't fit. Let's talk about how the second version can be something that really excites you. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea a lot. It's not something that ever occurred to me before. So yeah, that's I really like that. I don't know. I, if, if you're out there and you try it, uh, let us know how it works. I'll, and I'm going to try it next time I put a proposal that in that gets rejected. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I was going to yeah. say it can't hurt, can it? If, if you've already presumed, if you already, you know, think the deal is done anyway, then why not? And I don't know why I'm going to come back to it again. Let's go back to the marriage proposal. If you offer a marriage proposal and the woman or the man says no, that probably doesn't mean it's the end of the relationship. But it does mean you need to say, okay, now what? What do we what are we going to do going forward? You continue the conversation. Maybe you remain engaged, maybe something else is going on. But if you think about it like your proposal isn't just I hope I don't think the buttons say accept me or reject me, do they, right? <laughs> no, yeah, no. That could be V2. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So, um, anyway, yeah, th- think about it as just a, a point. You might even, when you send the proposal, I, I don't know if this would make sense, Nathan. You, you're the proposal expert. But if when you send it, you set that expectation of if you hit accept, this is what's going to happen. If you hit reject, I'll come back to you and ask how we can make version two better. Like you could actually set that expectation about what happens when you hit either button mm. rather than just only the accept button. Like does it does because they might actually be fearful if they hit re- reject. That means that you'll never talk to them again. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like it. I really like the way you do put these things back on the client, you know, the sort of so they're the ones who feel in control as, as opposed to us feeling that we, you know, everything is on our shoulders, you know, we, we, and to a certain extent it is, but I like the way that the, the, at least the psychology of it is reversed. And, uh, and I know you do that in a lot of instances, so I have to be careful when I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, you know, I really do want them to be in control. I have fine. I've had to learn to have quietly confident boundaries about what I would, 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 or would not do. But in a lot of ways, if they're not the ones in control, um, then then at the end of the day, they're going to feel pushed around. They're going to feel manipulated. Uh, all I want is for them to have a great experience and for us to do good work together. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I think we've probably pretty much exhausted our time again this week. And I think if we've learned anything from today, it's all about client relationships. That's right. Everything. It's all. It all comes down to client relationships. I mean everything. Everything we do, you know, the 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 proposal, the work, the the follow up, you know, the everything. Everything we do in our business comes down to client relationships. I think, and uh, that's that's the, I agree. that's the great thing, and also the challenging thing. I think about what we do, you know. So yeah, because none of us got into this business to say what I hope to do. I mean, is to just focus almost exclusively on client relationships. We all wanted to design things, write code, build servers, whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just a, a necessary evil. But if you can overcome that idea and realize it is the core of helping people, um, I think your business will be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Okay, so um, any other topics or subjects you'd like to hear Marcus and I discuss? Any ideas you have for the show, for the podcast? Do we need to be doing live episodes? Do we need to get people in? Do we need to have a live chat and questions? Do we need to disappear we're not going to do that um let us know so you can write to us at podcast at the creative business podcast we now have the youtube channel so if you go and search for creative business podcast 
You'll find our videos that are being uploaded there. So you can feel free to go and share. Give us a thumbs up, like, leave comments. The whole works. Uh, yeah, so we leave it there, right, Marcus? That's it. Uh, next week again. Fantastic. Well, you have a great weekend, mate. And uh, we'll both be back same time next week. Same time, same place. Have a good weekend. Cheers, man.